0: about a revolution uh a revolution of the mind because at, at school we get taught everything about the human body that we need to know but nothing about the human mind that's a great nothing thing. Mm. and so especially for well for lots of things but that's that's the thing that makes you do or don't every single minute of every single day yeah so if you want to be successful whatever that looks like i would definitely urge you to start investing in that voice in the head
1: Hello and welcome to Arrest All Mimics. My name is Ben Tal and this is the Creative Innovation Podcast. How are you doing? Thank you for listening. Cheers. appreciate it. um The weather this week is noisy school kids because they're going on in the background of my episode today with Kevin House talking about managing the inner voice. So what's going on? Hope you're well. Hope you're staying creative. I hope you're up to something exciting managing that inner voice of yours because it's constant isn't it? For anyone who's freelance or just got one of those artistically inclined minds, I don't think there's that much explanation needed beyond that title, is there? I don't think so. I've spent 10 years wrestling with this brain and then, God, the 24 years before that or whatever it was... um, it's constant. I think we have brains, like I've said many times on this show, we have brains that see the world in layers. So we're, we're subject to the good days, the bad days, the, the bad weeks, the bad months, the good months, the good years. It's it's kind of this never-ending up-and-down rollercoaster cycle that I think a lot of us are on. Um, we're going to get deep into that today, but first, quickly, I've got to thank the sponsors of the show who keep this thing free. Illustrationweb.com, fantastic illustration agency supporting a lot of people in the industry uh, representing loads of illustrators, uh, uh, animators, gift makers, large-scale mural artists, lettering specialists, fashion illustrators. The roster is strong, it's broad, it's deep. Go and have a look. Illustrationweb.com, they've got a fantastic news section where you can get a little behind-the-curtain peek at all the projects uh, and the work that they're doing. So go and have a look. At internet.co.uk, digital and tech sponsor, providing SEO, social media advice, domain names, hosting, all the good web stuff that you need for your business. Uh, foilco.co.uk, fantastic supporter of the graphic design industry. One of the, well, the largest range of hot stamping foil supporting designers. So if you want that stuff that's shiny on your book jackets, on your posters, on your business cards, whatever it might be, on your drinks bottles, these are the guys to do it. And they work closely with the design industry to to kind of hold the hand of people who've never used foiling before. And it's really not that complex. There's a wonderful science behind it. Um, I went to visit the warehouse when they first came on board. Over in Warrington, and it's an amazing sight. So many colours, so many beautiful, shiny offcuts going on in there, big machines. It's it's a real it's a real craft. Um, and we see it all the time every day, you know, every magazine stand, every bookshelf, but we don't stop to notice the hows or the whys, and these guys break that all down for anybody who's wanting to work with foil. So check them out, foilco.co.uk. Last but very not least. Association of Illustrators, fantastic supporter of the illustration industry, their uh, business empowerment campaign recently has been a huge success. It's helping people get their house in order. Um, it's one of the things that kind of gets caught up in the midst of all these issues that we have. These kind of the mental wrestling that we have going on every every day, every week, every month, every year. Um, and personally, for me, if I don't have that house in order, have my business ticking over, you know, have the accounts up to date, studios a mess, all those things, if they're not taken care of very quickly become antagonists and turn into these monsters that are way bigger and scarier than they ever needed to be so go and have a look at all the great work that these guys are doing and keep an eye on their events because they're doing more and more stuff in and out of London, um, really really a great bunch, go and have a look, the Association of Illustrators, the AOI.com so that's the business done. How are you? What have you been up to? Um, let me know. Always happy to hear from the audience. There's been some good chatter going on recently. Thank you for the feedback on Dominique Byron. Wonderful digital illustrator, so if that's your thing, it's a beautiful kind of 2D, very symmetrical, structured, geometric, I don't know if that's the right word, illustration, but it's gorgeous, gorgeous stuff, and we get deep into Dom's love of film, uh, the order that she needs in her life and likes in things, which is reflected, this personality coming through in illustration of something I'm always fascinated with. Uh, and in, a, in a, any kind of visual medium for that matter. But go and check out that episode, 140, if you didn't get the chance to tune in there. Um, today's guest, Kevin House. So I met Kevin at the Manchester Breakfast Club meet-up, which is uh, this event that goes on every month people turn up looking really knackered, drink coffee, eat croissants and all that good stuff and get talking and Kevin was one of the first people that I talked to and he started to tell me about the work that he does in getting out there and inspiring people to kind of take control of the inner voice in their mind and help them be happier and that was a beautiful conversation to open up with so early on a morning as these things go. And it got immediately, me being me, I was like, oh shit, we've got to do a podcast then. And it took us a while to get that conversation going. And then I've kept this episode on ice for a long time. But as I speak, recording this, I'm doing a talk this afternoon, part of a discussion panel with the Association of Illustrators and the Society of Authors about mental health for creative freelancers. And I thought, it's this ever-growing conversation, right? Not just in freelancing, but just in the world, I suppose. We're becoming more aware now of um, the need to take care of the mind as well as the body perhaps uh, slightly even more in the balance of the mind. And, uh, there's got to be, you know, care taken in both areas. But Kevin is a guy who articulates his stuff, he talks about his stuff for a living, uh, and he does it way better than I ever could. care for a keynote speaker, inspiring children and adults, uh, through workshops, through one-to-ones, to control and manage their own minds, develop self-awareness. Uh, he's got quite the story, which he's going to share with us about overcoming type two diabetes and, uh, you know, being quite overweight and 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 kind of turning his life around with a story that led him to the 2007 New York City Marathon, which is quite a surprise for those who know him. So I wanted to meet him and find out exactly what was going on. And he's a wonderful fellow. He he's not. There's no kind of as he puts it. There's no rah-rah going on. It's It's very realistic, it's very down-to-earth, helping people to take charge of that voice in the back of their mind that we all have that tends to run away with itself, that amplifies the negatives, that tends to shoulder barge the positives off the path, (laughs) if you know what I mean. Um, And we get it, I get it, Just, just to go into my own personal thing, and I say this quite a lot, I haven't... If you're looking at mental health as this extreme thing of depression and and suicidal thoughts, I would say that I haven't ever been there. But where I am is this middle ground, this grey area where I think a lot of us exist. And we don't tend to recognise it as mental health because it's not the sharp end of it. But personally, like I said at the top of the show, I have this introspective brain, um, a mind that I can't walk past an interestingly shaped brick on a wall without stopping to take a picture. That's what I'm like. So of course I procrastinate, I see layers in the world. I, I dwell sometimes on the negatives. I have to really coach myself to recognise the invasive thoughts that are kind of not real. They're the ones that leave you feeling bad when there's nothing particularly to feel bad about. And as we all know, sometimes these things become faceless and vague and we forget what we're worrying about, but we're left with this nipping kind of feeling that just nestles in there deep and bugs us, and it's not so good. But Kevin really has a beautiful way of helping us understand our own minds and recognising these thoughts and eliminating them. Um, so I could prattle on all day, but Kevin's the man to talk to. So I, I went to talk to him about this stuff, and I hope it's going to be of, of use to you guys because I've certainly found this conversation enlightening, and, and certainly having revisited it after a little while after we did this conversation in the first place, it was refreshing to hear it a second time, um, and not be in the in the you know in the midst of the conversation, as I was at the time. So, I'm really curious about your thoughts on this. So please do get them over at Arrested Olympics on the social media. Um, I'm looking for good feedback on this one. I think it's an ongoing conversation. It's something we need to keep kicking down the road and helping people out because, you know, it's like I I take ten steps forward and then, and then there'll be those little two back that make me go back to the drawing board and go, oh my god, I'm actually really shit. <laughs> how have I kept this thing going for 10 years um, my podcast's off. I'm going to jack it in I'm going to stop writing all that stuff it's only just around the corner luckily I'm pretty good at getting a handle on that and as the years have gone on I have actually get you know through reading books through talking to people like Kevin I've helped to understand and, and, and to admit when I'm feeling vulnerable and, and talk to people and it helps so much so I hope this goes some way to helping you get back on track if there's something going on in your world or it helps you to reframe something uh, in a way that you can tackle it Anyway, get those thoughts over, please. Um, thank you to Kevin for taking the time for this conversation. Uh, check it out. The show is now on Spotify. It's on Google Podcasts. It's on iTunes. It's on any of the good platforms that you want to listen to podcasts on. If there's one that I've missed, let me know. Thank you for listening. Cheers for Kev House for taking the time. Enjoy the conversation.
0: Yeah, yeah. what I do now is uh, I, um, I inspire people to manage their own minds so they can get more of what they want out of life. So I basically help people to uh, manage the voice in the head yeah, through the medium of positive psychology so when I did my degree it was uh, all about um, how to get ill people not ill yeah. and as somebody who's had um, depression anxiety that is uh, it's good to get rid of that but surely there's something more so now we're, we're looking at how we get well people to flourish yes and so I got diabetes at 23 uh, and if you know anything about type 1 diabetes, it's not rocket science, you just, the care is amazing now and you uh, all the drugs are amazing and you inject and you eat and you monitor it and, it's, and you don't drink too much, you eat well it's, and you'll have a great life. Uh, but um, I didn't seem to, I didn't tend to accept that I had diabetes and I had this desire to fit in, like we all do, so I continued to drink and smoke and do all the things that weren't particularly good. And uh, just got really overweight, uh, sort of addicted. Uh, it's very much like I don't know if you saw the uh, the show Adrian Child's A Drinker Like Me. I didn't see that. There's a show there, but he's on the the, the limit is um, they they say the recommended limit for alcohol is 14 units a week, right? Mm-hmm. And he's on 80, so yeah. he says. And he's thinking, but he's not an alcoholic. He's just an everyday drinker. And I was exactly like that, but I was out most nights, and so that's excessive, especially with type one. Anyway, and and, uh, so that was from 93 to 06, I was abusing myself and then um, I had a consultation with a guy, a doctor and uh, a consultant and for the first time they challenged me about my behavior and uh, he uh, tore a few strips off me but then he basically gave me a a vision of what life would be like if I took personal control. Mm Mm-hmm. And so uh, that was the start of the journey. From 06, I just started uh, taking personal responsibility, accepting that I had diabetes, but I could have a great life with diabetes. Uh, and so that started the, uh, the, the journey on, personal, on uh, positive psychology and this idea that you can manage your own mind. Mm. And as somebody who's got a psychology degree, they didn't teach me how to manage my own voice in my head.
1: Right, it was all about theory and about yeah. application to others.
0: Well, and about and I think the mental health conversation uh, in this country, just, for a lot of it, is about extreme mental health. Uh, yeah. do you know, is about um, I don't know, suicide. Is that, obviously a very important depression, suicide. Uh, but on a low level, low level, we all lots of people really struggle with their daily mental health. Yeah, I think so. Um, the uh, for the last twelve years. I've, um, I lost all the, I lost a load of weight, lost about four stone by, uh, I came home from that uh, meeting with the consultant and signed up for the New York Marathon, uh, which scared scared the living day. And there's a lot of research out there that says if you're gonna set a goal, you need to set one that scares the living daylights out of you. Too many people set goals that are too small. Mm -hmm. Then you set small goals on the way to to hit that, but too many people are aiming too low. So yeah, we had, Uh, And I'm also fascinated because my ex-wife, Marie, when I met her, she had been suffering from bulimia for 13 years, Mm -hmm. and so uh, we got well together. So she signed up for the marathon too, and we, over a a period of time, we uh, got ourselves well mentally and physically, and then uh, in November of 2007, we ran 26.2, which is pretty incredible, which is pretty amazing change.
1: It's amazing. It's a complete complete about-face.
0: Yeah, and I think that really inspired me to think. Well, if this is possible uh, to change that, then uh, maybe we can help others to do that too. Because a lot mm-hmm. of things we've been talking, before we came uh, and did the podcast, we were talking about cycling, and I had a company, I owned a company with my business partner, getting people active, and people would make lots of excuses of why they couldn't be active or get on a bike, either it's too dangerous, they're not fit enough they're this they're that and the, the, the big thing for me I finally realised was it's just the voice in the head once you change the voice in the head you get big results well
1: always I mean I mean, as, just as someone who I've always kept a relatively good level of physical fitness mm. um but running you know I, I, if I go out for a run I'll spend the whole time trying to talk myself down on shortcuts and, you know, and the rest of it put a ball in front of me and I could run for three hours yes you know It's, it's yeah. and, 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 and to your point that, that is I'm pretty sure that's something that with the right kind of guidance that's something that could be remedied It could probably turn it on its head and I could probably end up being quite obsessed with running by the end of it
0: well I've got a mate I've got a mate who's uh, he's um, he was exactly that he, said, he's, he always said on my footballer, kev. I don't run I don't run, my mate Jason, and uh, he had put a lot of weight on, had some uh, trials and tribulations to deal with, and we just tried to encourage him to think differently. Mm. And again with him, he just started slowly. We got him walking and running.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and once you, with any kind of, whether it's rehabilitation or a start of something new like that, I think there's a point where it, once you've done it a handful of times and you realise that the monster's not so scary almost, yes. and then... It can then it can become a, a real healthy compulsion almost. Particularly, I mean, from what you mentioned there about diabetes and and, and bad lifestyle habits, diet perhaps. Um, that's is there an you know is would I be right in thinking that you know that those traits can be can be flipped then, and that kind of whether there is an underlying compulsion there can be then turned into a really good thing if you've suddenly got something great to apply it to.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think so. And we see, I think we see a lot of people who, who uh, go for the healthy lifestyle and then change their their compulsions to drink to healthy lifestyle. I think the balance, for me, the the, the key is not to go extreme on exercise. Because mm-hmm. then for me, you become really, in my head, you become a bit dull. <laughs> if all you do is talk about running or you post on internet about your Strava times or how much you biked or whatever... Mm-hmm. Then you just you haven't sorted the addiction out, have you? You've just replaced it with something else, in my head. And if, if it works for people, then that's cool. But I think there is a, uh, to me, and, and when I first started it, I suppose it was a bit of an addiction. But over time, I've learned to uh, have it in my life where I'm not, I don't have to do it. Mm-hmm. I don't have to do it. But again, it's about um, doing mindful mindful exercise. About, yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, uh, yes, yeah, so that's a really good point raised there about it still remaining an addiction. Whereas, because it, then something else has to give in your life. You know, I had a friend recently who ran to quite a good level. It seemed to come out of the blue, and he'd gone from a similar thing, drinking in the pub on a Saturday afternoon, the, the rest of it uh, evenings in the week. He suddenly, out of, seemingly out of the blue, found running. It ran to a national level, really achieved quite a lot. But then met a girl and realized that actually that was his entire life, and it to a degree it had taken over. He would have to strip some back to find some kind of balance in his life, which. He's done now and actually it's a a choice now to go out and go a pleasure rather than something that he has to do all the time, you
0: know? Yeah, and I think if we can get to that point, I think that is one of the big things. We have a, uh, in our country, we have an epidemic of type 2 diabetes, which is diet and exercise. So how do we encourage people? To me, if we can encourage people to uh, learn how to manage that voice in their head, then we can get uh, exercise for health. Mm. I'm not sure if the school sports system... Uh, Is very helpful on encouraging people to be just fit for life. Yeah, if I'm honest, Uh, and that's not having a go at the uh, PE teachers, um, but it is about maybe the system we need to think of a different way on how we. And to me, there must be a mental component. Yeah, in all of that, because as we know, uh, whenever we are uh, going from static. To active the voice in the head will moan that it's too hard, I can't do it. It's too cold. Uh, <laughs> oh, is that, a, is, that a, is that a pain in my leg? Maybe I'll stop. Yeah. Um, and once you know that's going to happen, then you can just continue. Yes. And get through that, and then after about ten fifteen minutes, you start to feel really, really good. Yeah. Don't you?
1: And I think that, would you would you agree? There's a lesson there in, in what you've just said that can be applied to to many other fields. So, primarily, the listeners of this show are creative industries and. and there's always, again, there's, that voice is very prominent because we have these introspective minds. Uh, and, and when you're, particularly you know, at the beginning of any kind of career step, you know, where, who do I go to to get work? How do I do that? How do I get my portfolio? How do I get that social network online? And it's just probably a similar principle of finding that moderation and balance and small steps and actually being realistic about, about enjoying all of that along the way.
0: Yeah, and, I feel, and, and also being brave enough to just, just trust the process to trust it and, and believe that it will that it will come good. Yeah. So you have to take a little bit of a leap of faith and when we're uh, uh, both self-employed I think and that's one of the one of the key things when you work on your own is to uh, it's good inner voice management. Yeah. Because some days are good and some days are rubbish and then knowing when you need to go and maybe go for a run or in in my book and the stuff that I've seen is that uh, creativity comes from unconscious so you can't just switch it on and switch it off. Yes. Can you?
1: And the crux, uh, I think the crux of the issue for a lot of people, and they spend years, and I did for a long time, struggle. But work, you're working against the very nature of creativity, which doesn't adhere to you to what you want. It doesn't. It's not what you want it to be. It's a byproduct of, as you say, the unconscious and the, the world that, around you, what you're feeding into your head, and and that's a hard thing for someone to get their head around who wants to make progress and wants to see it tangible that they can. Put in a spreadsheet tell their parents yes. and that causes issues you know <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah and i've worked with people before my ex-business partner uh very good at uh spreadsheets for example or, or they're very rational stuff but but didn't quite understand creativity so i was allegedly the creative one but wanted <laughs> it when he wanted it yeah but that doesn't, creativity doesn't work like that no. and people will tell you that they need they, they you have to be very patient with it don't you, you have to find your own your own style but I'm as an ex-primary school teacher I am also fascinated with the fact that we don't teach the creative process Mm -hmm. so we set activities up to be creative and uh if people can't be creative on that particular day some of the kids will say well I'm just not creative yes I'm just not arty I can't do this can't do that uh this is not for me. And I'm sure there are self-employed people out there that question their ability at the start, especially at the start when they, they just can't seem to do it Yes, or they get a block or whatever, whatever that may be. But that is about, um, for me, I've had to learn that because lots of people, uh, maybe bosses I've had in the past or lecturers or whatever, like to tell you how they do it and they want you to do it how they do it. Yeah. But again, there's lots of research now about strengths. You have to be brave enough to say what you are at your best and do that.
1: It's so true. I think there's a level of acceptance that has to come in. So as you said, if there's a day when, you, when you're just, when, you know, I've sat down at days and had 10 hours clear ahead of me and am mm. really excited about that idea and done absolutely nothing of any worth. Struggled to even get out of the chair sometimes because I'm that lethargic. Um, now with 10 years experience I'm far more accepting that that's what that day is and actually how can I make good on that fact could this be just a day when I get myself inspired watch a few films maybe be lazy if yeah. that's how I'm feeling you know and come back and, and, and keep the tasks that require to me to be motivated and energised for a day when I am that you know and, and that helps that helps for certain but but there's always like you say there's that guilt it's that questioning of ability because you're feeling shit on one day and we all do it and we're all guilty because we've got those brains but so, in terms of your role, is this is this something that you encounter, and is something that you you help people with?
0: Yeah, I think, yeah, I think uh, I've had to learn. I was always I uh, ever since uh, I can remember, uh, especially in my teaching career, I was hi- I was highly creative with within the classroom, but a bit all over. I would be deemed as a bit all over the place because I wasn't uh, structured. Yeah. So I didn't do it like everybody else did. so you'd be told that you need to do it a different way we do it like this here and uh, despite me getting uh, really amazing results with the kids and uh, the key to teaching to me in any university high school primary school is the role of the teacher is to inspire people to do to be their best selves so it's all about relationships it's about uh, creativity it's about motivation it's uh, you you can't you can't teach them anything unless they want to Be taught, yeah, can they? So that's your skill. So for me, it was about finding different ways to do that. Um, And so, what I've learnt through this in the last four or five years is to be brave enough to say what I want. So um, at the moment, I have clients who uh, I'm uh, preparing presentations for, but they lots of clients want slides prior to the. to my presentation, and uh, I've learned to say no. You that you can't have them because they they won't be ready yeah. until they're ready, and that's usually uh, maybe twelve hours before I speak. So I've just done some work with a client, um, uh, and it was pretty hard. I really I was having a really tough time because it was uh, it was only fifteen minutes they wanted me to speak for, and I was just trying to get their message across of what they wanted, and it just wasn't coming so you just have to sit with it I don't know if you like that with you that, that's what we're maybe talking about is that you have to just accept that this isn't coming yet Yes. and the more you try to force it that doesn't work mm. but you keep, you keep uh, messing around with a few ideas I was kept writing lots of words down that I'd hear about what they were talking about and then you have to trust it that it's going to come because it has done in the past so you have to maybe look back in the library of your uh, performance yeah. to trust that you are good at what you do because the, the inner voice will always tell you that you're no good. Of course. You're no good. You're going to fail. They're all going to laugh at you. Who do you think you are? <laughs> um, and so uh, I had to trust the process. And then it came to me. I'd sat um, I'd sat with a client all afternoon. Nothing. And then I went back to the hotel room. I'd had some dinner. And then all of a sudden it, it pops up.
1: There's great value in that piece of advice I hear a lot, which is because you go for a walk and it's it's not literal but the but the idea is yeah. it, is that. I, I did it recently, I was in Beijing for the first time doing some work and, and I just I said to myself, look, I'm not gonna I'm not I'm gonna avoid the tendency to go back to the hotel and write, I've got this mm-hmm. idea and I love and write it at the minute and I wanted to go and do it and I thought, no, leave, leave it be, leave, have this time, wander around, just take it all in, switch off. Oh my God, the amount of ideas that started to come in that day because I've just let, I allowed my brain to be blank and it was processing things at its own time. And as you say, it's, that's not, it's not on a tangible timeline. So,
0: I think, Well, I think this is one of the problems of busyness disease, isn't it? That we're welded yes. to busyness and we have to be busy all the while. And so people find it very difficult to just sit and do nothing. Yeah, Absolutely nothing. And that's a real skill. I've had to learn that. Funnily enough, divorce taught me divorce taught me that where you're used to having people around you all the while, but then I had to relearn. For the first year, it's pretty brutal, and then after a while, you get You teach yourself to be calm just with you. Yeah. I don't know how many uh, how many people can. Uh, I think lots of people find that difficult just to be with them. Yeah. In the in the work that we're doing with people, they they often talk that they, they just can't be on their own, sit still. They have to go and clean the car. They have to go and do the cleaning at home. They have to go and speak to somebody, phone somebody up, text somebody.
1: Yeah. It's that (laughs) constant seeking of purpose or or engagement, isn't
0: it? Well, just to be busy, just to have the brain, because the brain is just looking for stimulation constantly. Dopamine monkey. (laughs) It's just looking for the next hit, isn't it? Yeah. So with mobile phones, it's just relentless. Um, Constantly being bombarded with all sorts of stuff. So one of the, I think one of the big things for me is uh, my best ideas I think, have come when I'm not thinking about it, so that's where the bike so I ride a bike a lot because um, I just have some time with mates, and I just don't think about it, and then all of a sudden it will come to me, of course it will just come to me, and probably we'll be talking about something unrelated to that, but it will give me uh, a different perspective, yeah, on things. But too many people, I think, with that with that emotional voice in the head, uh, are you, you should be able to think about it. Everyone else is thinking about it. If somebody else had this challenge, they'd be able to think about it. Why can't you think about it?
1: <laughs> exactly. But by chasing the issue, it doesn't really work. No. I just thought of quite a, maybe a quite a nice analogy of mm-hmm. that, and it's that thing of I'd, I would do it at school. I would be able. To, I, would, I could draw. That was my thing. That was the only way mm-hmm. I had of impressing girls. And, <laughs> and I. would but the minute anyone was looking over my shoulder I, I, I froze up and maybe that's, maybe that's an, an analogy that works I don't know, but the minute the backs were turned I could, I could do it, and I yeah. could draw, and I could produce and I guess that's a bit like the subconscious really.
0: Yeah, I suppose so there's a big, uh, as I look on the bookshelf there's a, uh, I'm a big fan of Brené Brown's work that talks about we need to be able to be more vulnerable we need, to, we need to practice vulnerability and be able to be okay with not being very good now and again or yeah. not being perfect. Because yeah. a lot of creatives, my uh, ex-wife Marie is a fashion designer, uh, and uh, she would openly admit that she struggled with perfection.
1: Yeah.
0: And it would break her at times. That, uh, and that we always remember the quote that we talked about, um, that while you're trying to be a perfectionist, most people are getting out there and doing it. Yeah. So you're still working on that design, and people have already submitted their designs, and they're going forward, and you're still working on that same design.
1: It's so true.
0: But again, that's around that. Uh, it is around vulnerability. So, I, for, so for any listeners, uh, the Brené Brown stuff is uh, to me groundbreaking in that you you don't get creativity and innovation without the ability to be vulnerable.
1: It's, well, it's really true because it's an extension of. Even Maybe even symbiotic with kind our of characters. Yeah, it's the, it's the way you process the world around you, and therefore it's, a, it's an extension of you. So if, if you're putting this crazy high bar up there and yes. you're always trying to aspire to it, that's just not natural. That's not what a rounded character is. There's another book that I started recent, very recently called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And it's, oh, it's, yeah. it's very good and it's very, very similar <laughs> to what you've explained there with the yeah. groundwork. And, it, and it's accepting that maybe we're not perfect and that's fine. And, it, and, it, and it's talking about. Um, you know, we, we, why should you try to aspire to that? Because it's damaging. Uh, whereas, actually, if you admit that you know the things you're not very good at, it's that's that's all right. That's that's fine as well. And he referred to Charles Bukowski, who's a, a favourite writer of mine, as mm-hmm. someone who was he was the ultimate downer now. You know, he, he was a lifelong alcoholic. He was very happy with the fact he was a low life, and that's what he wrote about, and that's what made him unique. And that's why he sold millions of books. Whether that's good, healthy for him, probably not. He probably wasn't happy like person, but. Um, you know, you'd have to go to that extreme with it, but there is something about just, you know, like you said, switching off, admitting, being, being all right with having a lazy day, whatever it might be. Um,
0: well, so I think we're, we're hard, you know, Brene Brown talks about we're hardwired for connection. So we're hardwired to fit in. Yeah. So that's where we, we're welded and we can't be vulnerable because we think we're going to be uh, uh, segregated, we're not going to be good enough. And so we have an epidemic of, and especially in the creative world, I'm sure about being good about not being good enough
1: yeah
0: so you're constantly thinking that works not good enough that's the this isn't good enough I'm not good enough whatever and so she talked a lot about how that's welded into uh I always I I always thought that shame was this big thing that you've done something really horrible but in her definition it's just fear of disconnection
1: Mm.
0: it's just fear of not being good enough and so we do lots of things to to stop us from being disconnected yeah so.
1: It's very true, it's very true. And, and, the, and the amount of students I'll encounter if I ever I do a lecture, I always hang around and have mm. look, look at the work and try and help with portfolios. And I come away feeling jealous and, and quite inspired. Yeah. The, but to convey that to a person who's at the start of where I am, you know, to get into where I'm at with 10 years experience, there's no way you can, you can't, short of downloading that into their minds, Yes, there's no way they have to go through the same realisations and experience to reach a point where you think, well fuck it it's alright not to be not to be great or, or, or just to be different to be me you
0: know and I think that would be uh, a big leap would be uh, I, I was talking earlier in the week at a conference about a revolution uh, a revolution of the mind because at, at school we get taught everything about the human body that we need to know but nothing about the human mind that's a great nothing mm. and so especially for well for lots of things but that's that's the thing that makes you do or don't every single minute of every single day yeah so if you want to be successful whatever that looks like I would definitely urge you to start investing in that voice in the head Yeah. because we're now at a point where there's lots of stuff out there accessible stuff uh, that is written in a way that people can uh, access Yeah. and so it's up to you whether you think that I think there's lots of people who say it's a load of old hogwash, it doesn't work, this whole personal development stuff and I think some of the early guys that came out, maybe from the States, made it a bit rah-rah. Mm. Uh, and there are still mm. some people who make it rah-rah that I, I don't subscribe to. Yeah. However, um, I work with a guy, he's got the only PhD, I think, the only guy with a PhD in happiness. The psychology of <laughs> happiness. So he's Dr. Happy, Andy Cope. Doctor Happy, I Dr. Happy. Dr. Happy. But we always talk about, this isn't about, this isn't about jazz hands.
1: No, of course
0: because people hate those people that are too happy. You just want to hit them with a stick, Funny, not Because they're too happy. Yeah. And, but what is it? So we, we, in his research, he talked about these people. Uh, there are some people that are their best selves on a consistent basis. And I would say to you, what does the world look like, sound like, feel like? When everybody is their best self on a consistent basis, not all the while, you're always going to have crap days, of course, aren't you? But yeah. can you? Is it just a day, or does it turn into a week, a month, a year? Yeah. But those two percenters, what we call two percenters, because there was only two percent um, of the population that you surveyed doing it, they're the guys that know what they are at their best. Yeah. So how many of us, and how many of us listening to this podcast, know have done any work to think about what are we? Up, we are what are we at our best mm-hmm. and how can we recreate that even on the rubbish day so when you've got to go for an interview you've got a big pitch to make you've got to get something in uh, you, or, or when you can't be creative so yeah. how do you turn that round and if you, if you haven't really done any work on that I would urge you to go and have a little bit of a look
1: that's very very interesting and isn't, surely isn't, isn't happy like you say when you say happiness there's a certain group of people that's back will go up and as you say for those reasons because some of it's a bit rah-rah but to me happiness is is, is acceptance, contentment yeah. being being. and as you say you know even on a shit day accepting that that's what it is and making the best of it.
0: Yeah I think it's about self-awareness. Yeah. If you live in Manchester let's face it I've only been here a year now and uh, we are basking in sunshine today but there's a good chance in the next month it is going to be tipping down here and it will tip, It will rain for the next, what, two or three months? Probably. Probably. And so <laughs> lots of people that Andy would call mood hoovers just get into that miserableness. They'll just moan and groan about it. Yeah. And they'll spread their miserableness to everybody <laughs> else who wants to... Well, who, who will listen. Yeah. But what we know is that good mood spreads and bad mood spreads. yeah.
1: Well, it, it, it does. It does. And I think... You know, I, I think well, the mistakes, and this isn't just creative industries; this is just people starting at the beginning of any mm. kind of career. But there's always that focus on this perceived success or, or the award or the, whatever that might yeah. be. But surely you're likely to achieve those very things if you concentrate on the belonging, the happiness, the, 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 the excitement. And the, I always associate creativity, creativity with magic when the thing feels alive, yes. when you yeah, can, yeah. And, the, and the creator feels alive. Surely, if we get to that place and we're doing that relatively often or as best we can when we can that the rest is likely to follow as a byproduct because it's yours and it's unique that's the way i see it
0: yeah and it's very and I, it's very hard to control that feeling isn't it about how you get there but i think you about you get to that really amazing place but all the research now coming out of positive psychology that says uh what about if it's not that i will be happy when Have you ever said that to yourself? I'll be happy when I get the deadline. I'll be happy when I get the pay rise. I'll be happy when I get the big house, Mm. the big car, the new job, (laughs) etc., which we we have a lot of people doing. What about if it's the people that are happy now that are more successful? Mm. So they start with happiness and they enjoy the journey. Happy schools get better. Happier schools get better grades. Happy families stay together. Happy companies make more money. Yeah. Happy creatives are more creative. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a that's a totally different way of looking at stuff because our school system teaches kids to say I'll be happy when.
1: Well, yeah, it does, and, and then society in general, you know, as you say, some people I think some so, many yeah. many people are compromising right now and the immediate future yeah. with this something on the horizon that might not even be there when you get there.
0: And I was thinking on the bike ride today. It's everywhere, isn't it? Where they say and uh, where they say, uh, if you buy this product, this will enhance your life.
1: That's advertising, isn't it? Yes.
0: If you you drink this, if you eat this, if you do this, whatever, this will enhance your life. Well, you'll feel amazing. But maybe, I think, well, for me, since I've taken personal responsibility, personal control, and my happiness is my responsibility, Not, yes, it can add to my happiness, but I must have... It's the same thing in relationships, isn't it? Where people will say, well, I want to be with somebody that makes me happy. I would always say... Uh, in my head, uh, you need to it's your responsibility to be happy. I can add to your happiness. Yeah. That sounds a bit rubbish, but you know what I mean. I totally know what you so mean. So it's your responsibility to be happy. Yeah. I can add to it. Yeah. But yeah, somehow we need to take personal responsibility for that.
1: Absolutely, and by being that and no matter what the thing is, by being happiness and energized and, and open and honest about what you are and comfortable with that. By default, the people that, 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 that might walk into that relationship or that life are going to be like for like or you're going to repel the people that, that don't fit in around that or, or try to drag that back.
0: Yes. Know? Yeah. So I, th- I think that is, uh, that, that's the big thing for me. I wish I would have... Uh, so somebody who uh, didn't do very well at school and failed everything at school, but then uh, he, I retook and then never failed again. It was just a fact that I didn't have uh, enough control of the inner voice
1: me too I, so, I would agree with that actually now that you said that today about the inner voice I was I was completely disenchanted with school what did it
0: say to what was your inner voice was it a thing of not being good enough it, wasn't, was it, it wasn't
1: that it was, I was predicting good grades and I always knew that if I applied myself I could do well with, with any, any of the subjects but to apply I struggled massively to apply myself because it was just so rigidly taught and mm. so structured and even in art and, uh, and sport it was it was all wrong. No one ever took any time to to appreciate the, any kid's characters or individuality and, and work with that. English was the one subject I did well and really
0: enjoyed. And, and why it, was that? Have you got a favourite teacher?
1: Um, well, the, the, the teacher was called Mrs. Myers, and, and she were and actually I, I told someone recently this on the show, but it's quite. Not embarrassing, but I wrote, at the time it was a 16-year-old, mm. I wrote a little thank you letter because yeah, nice. she was one of the few teachers to actually, she pulled me to one side and she'd taken time to, to see that I was talking too much, making my classmates laugh too much. This wasn't a reflection and an ability, but she put the fear in me and told me I was on course for a D. And I, she'd obviously taken a gamble as a teacher that she might demoralise me by doing that, but I think she knew fine well that I had quite a galvanised, mm. boisterous personality and that I would, I would respond... And I opened my game and that's what I did and got a yeah. B. And yeah. I loved that class. I liked the debate. I liked that we were trying like adults. I liked that we had uh, creativity in the way that we, we went about our writing and reading. We made to feel like an adult and given some room to grow. It's as simple as that. And it, and, and it just it missed it. It's, it baffles me that it's not, that's not right across the education system. You know.
0: Well, and I think just in work as well, because we, uh, there's a lot of leadership courses out there that are just utter hogwash. Because to me, leadership is around relationships, yeah, isn't it? It's about really good relationships. And how many of us can think of a leader that is great at relationships? Yeah. Or a teacher. The ones that really really got to you. And it's all about the, 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 the relationship that you would build. So if you want people to do stuff with you... So again, that's another point about creatives. You can be as creative as you like or as brilliant as you want, but if you can't get somebody to talk to and build a relationship with a client yeah. to have a look at your work you've got
1: no chance it's so true of course it's always done on that and all the mentors here I always think mentors come in disguise that they're, yeah. they're you know all the guys they're just other friends like me who you look yeah. for a pint or whatever it is and it, and it just so happens that they've got that more experience they've been willing to impart that upon you and, and you know it's it's and again it is it's all about just being able to, to either talk to those people be around them right That's, Everyone's that. all that's all dependent upon personality,
0: you know. Well, I think you know. it is, and I, and I agree with that to a certain extent. But I still think you can learn different skills. Yeah. Uh, one thing, I, obviously, I was a heavy drinker, and uh, now I'm sober. Uh, is that when you go out? Because I always, I always believed I couldn't. I, 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 if I went out, I had to have a drink, mm. and that was a massive uh, thing I had to rewire in my head. Um, but I had to just learn new skills, new skills. And I have to, when I go out and going out later, uh, everyone will be drinking, leaving uh, retirement to do, etc. Um And I will have to, but I have to say to myself, well, come on, you need to, uh, you need to really engage in here. You need to be, again, you need to be your best self. Yeah. So what does your best self look like? If you never thought what your best self looks like, then it's going to be, it's going to be a bit hard. And I never really did. Um... Uh, there's a thing called the four-minute rule that says, and I use this quite a lot, because some days you're having a a crap day, aren't it? Yeah. And some days you've got in the voice of your head going, oh, do I have to go to this thing? It's just going to be really crap. There's going to be loads of people drinking. I don't want to go, but I've got to go. Oh, my God. And then you just go to that in a really bad mood, and you are pretty rubbish. Hmm. So the four-minute rule states that um, if you are your best version of yourself for four minutes... And you stop whatever that, whether it be parents, uh, husband, wife, girlfriend, uh, boyfriend, whatever it may be, right, or somebody at work. Four minutes, then your brain stops moaning about what you were moaning about, and then your great mood passes on to other people. Okay. So but- that is that. To me, is a game changer for the, for the guys that are to brilliance. We, uh, I, th- I tell that's one of the uh, most powerful. Uh, we've had uh, I I had a guy the other day uh, a large uh, utilities company stand up in tears in front of all of his mates because it had saved his marriage wow because people are going home on autopilot yeah aren't they we're all guilty of that aren't we to a certain extent where we go home we do the same thing we've had a bad day we dump all of our stuff onto that person yeah completely or the kids or whatever and he just uh what we got him to do was put the, uh, the post-it note on his, on his visor in his car, a four-minute rule, and then he'd moan all the way home. And as he went through the drive, he'd look at the four-minute rule thing, and then he, was, he said to himself, what does best dad, what does best husband do for four minutes? Mm. So he'd walk through the door and he'd put his phone away, turn it off. Yeah. Because what he was doing was going in, looking at his, but just working on his phone. Didn't say hello to his wife or his kids. Go to his office, work all night, get up the next day, mm. etc.
1: And that's a very manageable amount of time, isn't it? I guess that's the the, the, the key because everyone can stop and do that. Four minutes, yeah, isn't, isn't it? Which is great, actually. That and that brings brings me on to that. I was I was loving reading your blogs from you from your, your mm. cycling trip recently, and I mean. That was quite, you know, there was enough adversity in that trip. There's quite a lot of challenges. I mean, you can tell us just a few little points of that, but I think it, an, there's a nice parallel there. You must have had to really call upon your, what you've learned and, what, and the way you go yeah. about it, making the best version of you.
0: And I think it's easy, you, my, um, I think this is what I do, uh, whatever you call it motivational speaker, whatever you have to be uh, leading by example. There's nothing worse than somebody telling you what to do but plainly aren't doing it themselves. Yeah. Are they? So, the reason um, last year I cycled down the west coast of America, uh, and this year just uh, the, it's ridden from Maine to North Carolina. And it, yeah, it tests me. It tests my inner voice, it tests my resolve, it tests me. Um, I push boundaries on my. Because I have this, I used to be very fearful with diabetes. So I had this inner monologue that said, "Diabetics can't do anything anymore. Your life's over. Uh, you've just got to stay here and be, and be have a really safe life." Mm. Uh, but it didn't. It, um, it it challenges everything. And when you're sitting in the comfort of this uh, of the apartment, you, you your head my head comes up with all sorts of scenarios that I wouldn't be able to deal with. But then when you're out there doing it. The worst things can happen, so I had my passport, credit cards, driver's license stolen. So no, and if you've got no ID in the richest country in the world, or no money, you are a bit screwed. Mm. You would think it'd be the easiest country to get stuff sorted. It's one of, it, why well, it's, it's really tough. It's really tough, and then, but somehow, and yeah, you've got friends around you, and I've got friends in the States, I've got friends back here, um, but you have an inner resolve, a calmness, but I don't think I would have had that calmness if I wouldn't have done the work prior to that. Yeah. So it's all accumulation of that because I knew that when it when say for example when I lost the uh, the documents um, that I had I had to, I knew what was going to happen emotionally that I'd just be really angry or fearful and then I had to put things in place that would get me through that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I think that was. And, when, and if you are okay with that and understand that things will happen. Uh, and I also I, I also, I think it's really important to have a good uh, supportive network. Mm-hmm. So the guy that convinced me to go and ride my bike, uh, my mate Martin, cycles all over the world. And uh, I told him what had happened. And he sent me a very matter-of-fact seven-point email. <laughs> there was no emotion in it. He basically <laughs> said, don't you dare come back. Yeah. There is no quitting from this, you, you've, got to, you've got to stick it out, you'll be okay, you've got to do it, da-da-da-da-da, and he gave me the seven-point plan, which I'm really grateful for. At the time, I think, my inner voice was going, oh, look at him, that's a bit rude, he didn't say, oh, that's horrible, or whatever, <laughs> did he? He just said, da-da-da-da-da, but then after, once I got back going, I thought, uh, yeah, nice one, because yeah. that, uh, and again, um, yeah, there was adversity, Uh, Diabetes was amazing because I I make stories up in my head constantly about how I'm going to die in the middle of nowhere Mm. with, uh, I don't know, no insulin or no sugar or whatever. Irrational, totally irrational, really good care of my diabetes. And when you put yourself out there and you risk stuff, that's where the magic is. That sounds really corny.
1: But it's true and it strengthens you as a human because you come through that and know that you're, you're up to that challenge and you've just passed that, Is that great test.
0: And, and I also think when you are in the shit, right, you have to be your best version of yourself where lots of people aren't. They're very needy or they're very moany or they blame everyone else. Mm. Once I've learned that when I am my best self and I'm really engaged with the people that I'm speaking to, uh, my best self, amazing things happen. So I let people just give me uh, cash because mm. I needed them. I just explained the situation, I was really good, but we built a relationship in a short time. They would help me out, uh, they'd give me food because I've never had to beg for food before. Yeah, <laughs> that's talk about vulnerability. That's a really hard thing to do to say, I really need your help, I need food to eat mm-hmm. to live.
1: Yeah, and you said, I mean, in one of the in, in reference to that incident, you said in, in one of the posts, which I quite liked, um, you'd always been quite. Was it quite fearful of, yeah. of, of asking for help? You were, yes. you, were you were, you felt very you weak in asking for help. And I think that's a, a it's, would you say that's a fundamental human trait, I think? Yeah, what, I obviously.
0: think so. Well, it's around with vulnerability. We all have our, uh, uh, through uh, Brené Brown's research, she says that, that men and women have different uh, shame triggers of not being good enough. So women's is, is doing everything perfectly. Hmm. That's to, to the research, and men's is, is weakness yeah so you do everything you can to avoid being weak, yeah, so you either bully, you lie, you cover up, you do various other things, and we've seen that you must have worked in workplaces or with bosses or with other people that do that, and we and I've done it myself, i'm sure you have yeah. to not um, but once you can and for the there are lots of times when I don't do it, but this is obviously a, an ongoing process where I try to be as, as I put myself out there as much as possible. And creatives, that's the nature of creativity. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be people that like it, your yeah. work, and there's always going to be people that say oh it's rubbish.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah, and the vulnerability is huge, in it, particularly in what in what I do as, an, as an illustrator. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, on days when, I'm, you know, I've, let's say I read a report about global warming and I'm having a massive existential crisis or politics, whatever it might be, right. I just sometimes have to get that down on paper and start to draw. But actually, those, those emotions, whilst you would never consciously seek them, my god they're, they're rocket fuel yeah. sometimes for my creativity you know and, yeah. and that's a troubling thing because sometimes it's you know we, we look for safety and comfort when actually for creativity that can be the most damaging thing it's this weird upside down nature of it
0: well it's interesting i was watching i was listening to mark riley last night uh he had bc camp light on I don't know if you know him yeah. but bc camp light he's got this new album called deportation blues because he tells the story of him being, he was, he was uh, I think he overstayed his work visa here and he had the home office bang on his door and deported him and banned him from this country, right? Okay. American guy. Um, anyway, he said he did his best work. Mark O'Reilly said uh, that this is probably your best piece of work. And, and he went on, oh, I think his name's Brian, to say that yeah, it, uh, it's probably the darkest but the best piece of work, because that really stimulated my creativity. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I think that, that can, that can, through adversity, but we are in a system, for me, and, and I saw it in school, that everyone had to uh, succeed without struggle. Yeah. And within, and in my own life, I think, the struggle, once, once I got control of the voice in the head and I was taught how to do that, then adversity really isn't that bad. No. But it's not, I, I, worry, for, I worry about people just saying, well, just, uh, just be happy, <laughs> just get on with it. It's just, to me, that's not that easy.
1: That's not what happiness is. No, I think that that that, it's a very uh, that's a very false. That's an illusion. That's an illusion, definitely.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, and again, just going back to the trip, uh, what it taught me uh, was that again, and I've been doing this several years now. That once you put yourself out of your comfort zone, that's where you get the magic happen. Where you uh, you're riding your bike, and all of a sudden, you're riding uh, over Brooklyn Bridge, and you ride into Manhattan. Oh, or you and you're riding around there and you have amazing experiences, or you meet uh, people that you never would have met yeah. before. And you have a uh, I met a guy last year uh, in Bandon, Oregon, that after 45 minutes, he uh, he said, and I've been camping every night. He gave me the keys to his apartment, and uh, he says, "You stay here. Uh, I'm going to stay at my girlfriend's." Huh. So I refused him five times because I was thinking, no, you're a serial killer.
1: You are, you are going
0: to, you're going to, you're going to kill me, right? Yeah. Anyway, so, um, he says, uh, and, and so I go, okay. So after five times, I say, yeah, okay, nice one. So I go, the afternoon, he drives me around Bandon, Oregon, because he says it's the most beautiful place in the world, right? He moved there after his childhood sweetheart died. They'd been together, but he said he made the mistake of working too much, mm. And they never had any time. They said they'd retire and they'd go somewhere nice, but she didn't make it to retirement. Mm. So he's gone there and he says, so he, he spent his afternoon with me. And then um, he, I went back to his apartment, got showered and cleaned up. And then he took me for dinner, paid for it, with his now new girlfriend, which is the mayor of the town. Wow. And then uh, he, he dropped me off. He gave me the key, so you stay here. Nice one. And uh, <laughs> I'll pick you up in the morning. Uh, I slept with the light on, because um, serial killers don't kill when the light's on, do they? Apparently <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, When I was <laughs> at a conference, he said they were going to have a hashtag on that. But that's about, that's about being brave enough to see the best in people. Yeah. And then he picked me up and he drove me an hour down the road to where I should have been to start the next day. Mm. How many of us are willing enough to be brave enough to see other people in front of us? Mm-hmm. Or are we too busy texting? Are we too busy emailing? Yeah, uh, and I would imagine in the—I uh, suppose I'm in creative industries—in that I speak and I try to tell stories. Uh, but to me, the biggest thing you can do is to build relationships with your clients. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. And with people in general, because you get because it, it's all about stories. Oh, of course. Isn't it?
1: God, I mean, just where we met, like the Breakfast Club. Just, yeah. There's always that tendency to think, oh my God, it's early. I should be—I yeah. should be getting on with projects. But, but lo and behold, you always have a, a conversation there, or, or just something that triggers an idea. There's no, and I've never been to something like that and come away feeling like it was a waste of time. But
0: if you don't want to be vulnerable, though, right, and you're not feeling, what do a lot of people do when they go into a place like that? What will they get out? Fun, obviously. Of course, and yeah. that is the big thing. Don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. Yeah,
1: yeah. I was on a, I was on the the subway in Beijing and. The entire two rows were all on phones. Right. They were all quite young people. And I, and I was looking at and I, and I Granted, I was a tourist in Beijing, so yeah. all, all this stuff was blowing my mind like mm. every trip I've had to Asia. But... That's the same when I'm, when I'm here, whether I'm in London yeah. or I'm in Manchester, because it's the things that I see and the little observations that I make that really set my work apart as mine, because I'm seeing that like no one else can see it, yeah. just like you look at that cup and see it in a different way to me, because yes. you're attaching your own experiences. But if you're looking at the phone and you're on the same website as everyone else is on, it's kind of it becomes this feedback loop, doesn't it, of mm, missing what could be really great around you.
0: And I suppose that's where uh, mindfulness has helped for me and I know that's the buzzword at the moment I, I don't meditate uh, I did uh, I did headspace for a bit uh, that's been voted I think the most uh, the best uh, well-being app uh, on the internet so if anyone's thinking about getting into meditation that's a that's a really Andy putdaum the uh, founder uh, has a great way of teaching you what mindfulness is because I always thought that meditation was about stopping thought it's really not it's just about being uh, seeing thought and just realizing you aren't the thought mm. you're outside the thought and you can either accept that thought or let it go yeah but before that time I used to accept every thought mm. so uh, I think that's a really nice so you're not you're not the you're not the voice uh, I like this thing where you're not the voice you are the watcher of the voice yes in your head that took me a long time to get my head around so I used to believe all sorts of crap I tell myself
1: it's so true and, uh, and, uh, and uh, again as I referenced earlier with, a, with an introspective mind I've, I've, I've in the past had the tendency to over worry about things but it was, I read The Power of Now and a similar, yeah. a, a similar lesson about, yeah. ab- about detaching yourself from that voice and recognising when it's going off down this road where it's, it's something you can't affect or influence or get hold of now therefore allow it to go and, and, and just take yourself into that blank headspace and it works wonders, it really does especially on those days when you wake up to let's say an email on a client's Sacked you off, yeah, and, and then you find out you've got to pay your, your you know, your phone bill for the next year. You, <laughs> all the all the shit happens that morning. All the little trivial stuff that can make you feel really bad, but it's about just that detachment, and then and then and then you know, putting that stuff behind you. And I don't know, I, I could waffle on about that stuff. and paraphr- no, well, I paraphr- think paraphrase it really bad, but there's well,
0: I think that's kit that's key, and for creatives out there, uh, I think that's a key skill. I think that's a key skill because there will be days where you either can't think of your ideas or you just don't feel like it. I was speaking to my friend Sarah who's just set up on her own, uh, she is a copywriter and she said to me today, I've had to learn that when I'm not feeling it, then I don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> I have to, it's hard because the voice is going, you should be working. And I had to unweld myself as somebody who went from working uh, 9 to 5 to not working 9 to 5, that's a big mind shift. Very much so you're in that you're, you're institutionalised to think between nine and five you need to be working yeah but I don't do that anymore no but it took me a long time I don't know about you to, just to say well I work I, if, I, if, if creativity hits me at ten at night then I need to get on with it
1: oh god yeah especially with and finally especially with writing because I'm doing writing very much Around around my illustration work mm-hmm. because it's not it's not i making money at the minute yeah. and I just want to really enjoy it as a hobby. Yeah. But yeah, my God, that is, the evenings the weirdest times. You know, you wake up at two AM with an idea and you've got to that's get it down and and, and and that's the thing. Anyway, isn't the nine five thing a, like a hangover from the industrial revolution, yes. which yeah, which yeah, we're yeah. very much emerging from now with technology? We don't need to be sat at a desk nine five anymore, and, and it certainly goes against the nature of creativity. So
0: there's a there's a lovely piece online that I found. uh with Eddie Vedder, the guy from Pearl Jam, yeah, and he says creativity. There's a lovely bit about how they come up with the ideas for the album uh, that they're working on, and he says um, it's like surfing. Sometimes you'll be out on the water and you could be there all day and nothing's happening. It's just calm. There's no waves, etc. But all of a sudden, when the wave comes, you have to drop everything, yeah, and you have to get on the wave, yeah, and you have to ride it until it ends, yeah. And that, that, to me, is a great summing up of it. Because when you get that idea, for me, then everything happens. Adrenaline, uh, excitement. Yeah, uh, that's the magic. That yeah, is the, that is. That's when
1: the magic is... and Literally magic happens. And, that. and, and then, again... That it's that feeling and, and and being connected with it, and that's that's when you get the best results. And yeah, don't get me wrong, we all have deadlines, and we all have mm. schedules, or families, or whatever, other commitments, whatever it is. But yeah, it's sticking to that principle, but making it work within within you know your life because that's all you all we have to do really. Yeah, you
0: know. And if and if you're with somebody in a relationship or something, it'd be, it's really helpful that they understand that. Oh my gosh, it's, it's <laughs> crucial. Otherwise, it,
1: yeah, otherwise it just doesn't work, is it? <laughs> My God, the amount of times Laura's walked in on me and I will mean, be balancing the phone and all the time I take a weird picture in the corner of the room. And she, she barely even questions it anymore. She'll, she'll generally know which weird thing it's come from, which project yeah. or which in-joke, you know. That's it, isn't it? That's
0: yeah. it, but I think that's important. And, and if, or even if, if you're in a creative agency, and I'm sure yeah. lots of these guys are doing this now, in that you, you have to think about people's strengths. Yeah, so I think that's that's a, uh, an area that we do a lot of work around. It's about getting people to think about what they are at their best. So, my, I have three things uh, which are focus, creativity, and energy. They're the three things. When I'm at my best, then I will be in those. So before I speak uh, on a morning, then I have ways of getting into those three bits. Yeah, and if you don't know what you are at your best, then how on earth are you going to be at your best? Yeah. And sport is getting a lot of stuff from sport now. The elite sports people, they uh, know the ones that perform time in, time, week in, week out, how to get to their best selves. Yeah. If it's football at three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. yeah, And they well, go through a routine, a process on how to get there. So if it's possible for them, why isn't it possible for the student yeah. who's in school, the worker... The who wh- whenever you want to be at your best, surely you can go through that process.
1: Yeah, oh, it's true. And I desist, where it's the same thing. Mechanisms like it'll be if I'm about to get drawn and I have to get messy, and it's you know I make sure I've got the right environment for that. Mm-hmm. If if I feel better having a cup of tea to my right, then that's a good thing. If I need to clear my peripheral vision so that I'm not discombobulated, that's yeah. another thing. Soundtrack. Uh, you know all those things. Uh, it's that's just my personal way of doing it. But I think we all it's so important to know, as you say, how to get there.
0: And I think it's important to say this is how I do it, and I don't give a toss what you like. Yeah. And, but you're not telling me. And but go, just going back to Brené Brown, she says, uh, uh, I don't listen to anyone who criticizes me who's not in the same arena as me. Yeah. If you're not doing what I'm doing, then I'm not interested. If you are, then I'll listen to your criticism. But there's lots of people who will troll you or give you criticism about your work that have no idea yeah. about your work. And lots of people um, take that to heart. But one of the things she's talked about, and i tried to do that, is that I don't listen to people who aren't in the same arena as me.
1: Mm. Yeah. Well, the, the whole trolling thing as well, it, comes, it tends to come from a place of frustration or unhappiness mm. And, uh, you know, and they, I don't know what it is, but there's that, there is that group of people that, that, that kick back against someone who's trying to improve their life. I don't know what that is. Exactly. Well, I,
0: I think it comes back to everyone about fitting in. Yeah, no, yeah you're right. Isn't it? About, yeah. about, about um, uh, connection. We're all hardwired for connection. And when somebody, it's a bit like the monkeys, if you're watching wildlife on one and one of the monkeys goes off and does something different, what does the troop do? <laughs> then it segregates it and kills it. We're not, we're not much more advanced than that. Oh. <laughs>
1: no, oh, not really. We're not. No, just Well, no, no. And well that's that.
0: basically, and, and I think that's whereby the whole idea of Steve Peters uh, in his chimp management book. That is, that's key to me. Well, yeah, we're we're pretty basic,
1: aren't we? We are pretty basic. Yeah, and again, it's another thing to just accept and admit and get on with it as well. You know, there's well, nothing wrong with that. We don't have to be superhumans. We've or...
0: we've all got one, and we all lose our shit. Yeah. Now and again, I just try to now. Uh, I've worked really hard to have better uh, chimp management, as Peters was called. So just to regulate that that voice that goes a bit bonkers. I have a certain thing around a certain... Bre- when I'm driving, I drive a lot, and there's a certain brand of German car that gets right up my ass on motorways. <laughs> so you might have it in different parts of your life, but I can turn into the most basic of human beings because somebody behind me... He's trying to be, so say I'm in the fast lane because I want to go faster, right? But I can't because there's traffic in front of me. I'm being really good and I'm keeping my distance. But the guy behind me in his chimpness wants (laughs) to bully me off the road in my head, right? So when he's trying to do that, my chimp comes out to protect me and then I do ridiculous things. Either I go about 40 miles an hour uh, or I swerve around the road or I jam my brakes on at 80 miles an hour and I definitely give him the middle finger. Yeah. <laughs> but when I start doing that, what do you what do you think he does?
1: Well, yeah, or es- she does. Es-
0: escalates. Well, then it goes bonkers, doesn't it? You got any of those? Uh, yeah, I've got, yeah. It yeah. could be anything. Could it? Somebody could use your mug in the office, or yeah. uh, people lose their shit about the smallest of things. You
1: know what? Yeah, it, it's very true. And again, it's getting a handle. I, I did it. I sent a little mailer out to a handful of, of research you know, universities mm. and colleges saying like I've got this book out I'd like to do some talks about freelance lifestyle and I'd mixed up two of the cells so you got the wrong first name for right. the person and you know so she come, and she, but she came back and she opened the email this lecturer saying you're not doing very well today are you that was the opening comment and my uh-huh. back went right up and I was, and I was riled mm. for about 20 minutes pacing the flat why would you talk to someone like that? It was a, it was an accident. Yeah, okay, I got your name wrong, but and um, as, then as Laura got home and I started to see the funny side. And I, and having having gone through all the possible responses, at which point was going to be, is everything all right at home? I thought there's nothing to gain here by going back in full steam, so I just went back in. I was very nice and said apologies yeah. for that. It was very nice. Dropped the thing. Didn't contact her again. And thought there's that, that's probably coming from a place of anger or frustration and therefore I, I, I'm just going to try and move forward and I did I got past it I saw the funny side of it but as you said as, as what you said my chipness was, was, was through the roof for 20 well, minutes
0: and you. that's it and if you know that's going to happen so you're going back to America uh that was on a daily basis chimps out for lots of different things if it's a hill it's 90 degrees there's a hill uh i went three miles up and downhill on a gravel track uh to get to a bridge that would take me over to this big fast river i get there and the bridge is plainly not a bridge it's closed it's broken yeah so at the time you're there you've got to then Uh, ride all the way back, chimps go mental (laughs) so what do you do it wants to throw the bike in the river it just wants to (laughs) say, "Not this, I'm not doing it but um, and I'm fascinated now too around elite sport for example whereby the best players have great chimp management so Roger Federer Mm -hmm. in in tennis uh, and I imagine the creatives too they've understood how to um, how to manage that
1: that's a yeah. You're completely right. I, I was. I, I got to interview uh, John McGuinness, who's. Like, I, I might be wrong, but I think he's the best, or at least won the most world championships in time trial racing. Oh wow! And this came about because I, I did a mural of him in Markham. They did a, a, a street art regeneration. Yeah. To celebrate, you know, that he was a local champion. It, it, yeah. Absolutely, he's just so passive, down to earth, can yeah. guy and he was telling me that at the time he'd been doing these kind of experiments with uh, Apple and they and they'd, you know they'd fit him up with all the equipment to monitor the heart rate and right. all the things and he'd broken numerous speed records mm-hmm. in the sport and he said uh, that the difference there's that shade of difference which made him a multi time world champion was yeah. his ability to stay completely tranquil and calm at high speeds during his. and it was only a fraction of a second or yeah. how did they measure it? it was a slight fraction less more even than his competitors, and that was the the big, the big key difference. So I guess that that resonates with what you said. Well, and so if
0: it's good enough for them, this is what I'm really uh, fascinated in. Why isn't it good enough for the uh, for the eight year old, mm-hmm. or for the guy who's going to the office every day, or the guy that's got to make a big speech, or the or the nurses, or the doctors, or the patients, or yeah. I I just don't get that. Why is it that the only it's only being used on the elite? Yeah,
1: it seems to be almost that like we're working in reverse. We have these great. Breakthroughs, whether it's with companies like Google that are doing this pioneering work. And we all know it's an industry and that's why we're having this conversation today. And like you say, yet yeah, at the formative stages when it should be taught, it's completely, mm. completely lacking and it's just uh, very, very bizarre.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, things like... Uh uh, I saw Gareth Malone talking about once the uh, the guy who does the stuff on the telly about choirs, right? He's probably got a better title than that, but I can't think what it is. <laughs> but his his stuff is all around getting them to believe in themselves. Yeah. So the, he he was saying it's a real. You see lots of people on these things like pop idol or these talent shows where have massive uh, confidence but no competence. Yeah. Right. Confidence, competence. But that the, that, So that's, that's not great, is it? You're really overconfident about your abilities because really you're quite shit, yeah. right? But the problem is where you get people who are highly competent but no confidence. Mm-hmm. You must have met them in the, your creative oh, career. Oh, God, I love the Well, you see these people, they have so much ability, but the mind, they haven't got control of the mind, so they talk themselves out of, uh, and to me... The bravest thing I think I've had to do and I have to do all the while is just put myself out there. Because there's always a risk of people not liking it. Oh, but, God, yeah. but most of the time they do. Yeah, Don't they? If you, are, if you have, if you have uh, competence.
1: Yeah, and, and you clearly do and you're authentic and you've got this, uh, you know, you have an experience of where well, you, you had to do it. You had to get a control of your mind and, and, and you know, yeah. o- overcome your own challenges, which you've done to great effect.
0: But how do we, and I think that is going forward, that'll be a real legacy or a start of a legacy if, uh, and the stuff that you're doing around in colleges, is that we try to inspire creatives or whoever to start on that journey to start understanding themselves more.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah because ultimately that, that is, what, what, is that's what the creativity is built on is character and personality. But if you don't have any faith in that or understanding of it or have, can't admit to things, or, you know, it, yeah. then it's very difficult. to to find your path and channel your creativity
0: yeah and I think I I found it difficult when I first started I was welded to feedback Mm -hmm. so the session would only be good if somebody said it was good yeah have you got that do you get that yeah my work is only valid if somebody says it's valid now that's hard to get away from because obviously you want to please and lots of us are people pleasers me included so you want somebody to say yeah that's brilliant So I couldn't truly celebrate a brilliant session until I got that first email saying, oh, thank you, Kev, that was a great session today, well done. (laughs) So all the drive home, I'm battering myself saying, you should have done this, you should have done this, why didn't you do this? You said you were going to do this, but you didn't, until the first email comes in, and then I go, oh yeah, brilliant, well I was really good today. <laughs> it's so true,
1: yeah, yeah. Again again, yeah, the validation thing. But
0: I had to learn I've had to through things like Brene Brown's work and, and chip management, I've had to, I've learnt that that's normal, totally understandable to let that crap go.
1: Oh god, yeah, completely and it's okay to feel that way as well and, but again yeah. again it's it's recognising that the voice is doing that and it's not yeah. it's not necessarily the the right way to do it, you know. It's uh, yeah, I mean, if I did if I wasn't clumsy, if I wasn't, if I wasn't, um, if my common sense wasn't wasn't awful. Um, there's no way my style would be what it be. And making money as an illustrator, you know, and because I found that connection and thought, okay, that's a good thing then in what I'm doing. Therefore, I'm winning, so it's fine. I don't
0: think I've met many educators though are, who are vulnerable enough to allow their students to be themselves, if yeah. if that makes sense. That's true. Because when you're teaching. When you're teaching, uh, I think there's a lot of prescription. And there are not, like, I'm not saying everyone does this, but in my experience, there are, a lot, there are many educators that are overplanned. Yeah. There's no leeway for any sort of thing. And that might be the system and they might be told that they have to do this, but it has to go down this path. There can't be any, you can't do it your way because you have to do it this way. Yeah. And for creatives, that must be really difficult.
1: Oh, it really is because, again, it all comes down to that like I said to you earlier about the, the teacher that, that took a risk in mm. putting a rocket on yeah. my where yeah. and I had that another instance in college with a teacher who again you know gave me an absolute dressing down um, and that was how they broke my, my, the safety in my drawing and, and mm-hmm. set me on the path to what I do now um, but I know for a fact that that teacher was good enough to then go to a really quiet student and, and, and yeah. go with a completely different approach to, to take into account who they are what they do and give them the freedom to, to to find their way on on the course curriculum as well. So yeah, you're right. It's, it's we could do more more of that. I think.
0: Well, I think great leaders are. Uh, it's not in a textbook. It's not in a folder. It's not in a leadership course necessarily. They are. They're good. They're good human beings. And great leaders, for example, can lead themselves really well. Yeah. Uh, and I think. And that's where also we need uh, in. Uh, Institutions or schools, we need uh, more educators that are more self aware. Pretty much so. Not to get lambasted by uh, the educational community, but I think that is because kids do what adults do.
1: Yeah, they do, they do, and at the minute I I really think that there's uh, not to go too deep down that road again, but it's um, so much red tape and so much paperwork for both kids and teachers that there's not a lot of room for them to find the time to do that, and that's really sad. Um, but we'll get there I think because you know, there's a lot of realisation of things like what we've talked about today like brenny Brown's work that yeah. it can't, it can't, you know, the two can't go on the way they are forever something has to give because otherwise there's going to be this great void in the middle of education in the real
0: life yeah and I think well, the work that we're doing and the companies that we're working with there is some great work that is happening now where, people, where companies are starting to wake up yeah. When they help their people to be better, then they, they get better results. Absolutely, more freedom, more trust, more respect,
1: and you're going to get, you're going to get a greater work ethic, happiness, enjoyment, and therefore, you know, it works for everybody.
0: Uh, but I do find it interesting whereby uh, we finish education, for example, then we do no work on ourselves. <laughs> so isn't it just, hopefully there's nobody listening to this podcast that thinks that it doesn't think they can be a better human being. Yeah. So I would say, well, what are you doing then? Yeah. What work are you doing on yourself to be a better uh, boyfriend, husband, girlfriend, wife, mum, dad, colleague? Or do you just think that's how it is? Because like, I came from a generation where my parents would say, love my parents to bits, but they, and they were told too, that you've got what you've got and you can't really change anything. <laughs> so you've just got it.
1: Mm. That's how I am. You've got starting set, but you can certainly build them up yes. and, and mould it.
0: You definitely can, and uh, there's lots out there now that, that can really help if people are vulnerable enough yeah. to go on that journey. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. To say they don't know anything, they don't know everything, and uh, and there's lots of people out there, like ourselves and various others, that are willing to, um, so I don't know if um, if you've done this, but I think the biggest thing for me is to be brave enough to ask for help. Oh, good, yeah. And go into those breakfast meetings to say, uh, let's go and do this, or let's have a chat about this, or whatever, it's about being brave enough to go and, uh, and I I think one of the things I I don't think enough happens is asking questions. So lots of people are trying to be interesting, but aren't interested in that person. Mm -hmm. And people want to feel as though somebody's interested in them. So if you want to build relationships, in my book, when somebody tells you something amazing, please follow that question. Follow that. Yeah. So ask them, what did it feel like? What were you doing? Uh, who was it? Wh- whatever it may be. Yeah. Just keep asking them questions and you'll get a better understanding and then they will, they will that's how you build trust. Oh, good God, completely. And relationships. Yeah. And
1: it's the, it's the chief reason I absolutely love doing this thing mm. because it's, uh, so, you, know, what, you know, to have that little mic and a platform, what a great excuse to go and have, you know, these conversations with people and really dig and find out why, how, what, you know, uh, what for. And I, I love it, and I learned so much from every single person just by hearing their stories. It's wonderful.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people uh, find that hard to follow uh, that and, and really dig into somebody's. Uh, everything's quite short now. Yeah. So uh, I definitely, yeah. But relationships are about, uh, yeah, being authentic and finding out about others.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, and and key key to many things. Whatever you, whatever it is you're trying to do or to achieve or you know, overcome the show. So at the end of every episode I always ask a guest, it's quite an on the spot question, but I ask them for a positive and a negative in the work that they do or their creativity. Um can be as playful, can be as serious as you want.
0: Uh positive and negative. Um a positive uh I suppose it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Whereby uh, when you when you've gone through the process, the the feeling when you've did, when you got to the answer, whatever the answer is, is just like you were saying, it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. It's a real buzz when you come through it, the process to get to that place where you want to be. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing. And so the negative is having to go through that process. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And oh. so
0: everyone says, "Well, you just got to enjoy the process. You just got to enjoy that, haven't you?" <laughs> I didn't. This week on those two days, I didn't enjoy that. No, I know it's happening, but I don't. I don't enjoy it. No, but I know it's got to happen to get to where I'm getting. But the feeling when I get there, and once I've come off the of stage and I've told my story or whatever it may be, that is just the biggest buzz, yeah, ever.
1: Yeah, yeah. Second so that. Definitely.
0: Yeah, is there and so, you, but you have to be brave enough to go through the process. Yeah, and you have to go through the process of, but you have to go through the uh, the chance that you might be a bit shit.
1: Yeah, <laughs> of course, <laughs> God, yeah. Otherwise, where would you Yeah.
0: Well, but people like to control stuff. Yeah. So yes, yeah, double-edged sword uh, there's always a risk that it doesn't work, but uh, most, well, for me, and I'm sure for you, most of the time it works.
1: Yeah, but even when it doesn't, you learn things as well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> okay, and, and where can people find out more about your work? And...
0: Um, I work with a bunch of guys called the, uh, called the Art of Brilliance, so it's www.artofbrilliance.co.uk. We work with uh, schools, um, NHS, businesses, in helping their people to be better and uh, better people get better outcomes.
1: Fantastic. Well,
0: that's been wonderful. Thank you for your time. Pleasure. Nice to talk to you.
1: Thank you so much to Kevin for sitting down and so brilliantly putting all of these things that I think we sometimes know but fail to action because that's what the mind is. It it tends to wrestle with us for supremacy. And, you know, I, I love what you said about thoughts and about us being the owner of those thoughts. And it's kind of choosing whether we eliminate them, whether we ignore them, whether we action them. And I think as time goes by, I get a little bit better. I'm getting there, slowly. I want to know about you, though, so let me know. What do you think about the conversation? Where are you at? What do you think about the things that Kevin raised? Um... I'm interested about your methods of eliminating the negativity uh, and giving more ground to the positivity for it to breed. So let me know, please, at ArrestalMimics on social. Get in touch directly, hello at com, if you want to do it that way. Uh, so a few great episodes coming up. We've got Carmen Masson from Playground talking a whole lot of topics, but uh, getting creative in large-scale spaces and, and fresh ideas and versatility of themes on that episode coming up. Um, who else have we got going on we've got Dion Kitchen coming up when we're talking about self-promotion lots more to come where that came from so thank you for listening Thank you to the wonderful sponsors who keep the show free every week illustrationweb.com heartinternet.co.uk foilcode.co.uk and the AOI.com, the association of illustrators keep an eye on all the great work they're doing with their business empowerment campaign but an episode coming up already in the bag with Ren Renwick and Lou Bones getting deep into why it's important why we have to get our businesses in order to stay productive stay mentally healthy and make the money that we deserve to make from these wonderful skills that we've trained long and hard for <laughs> I feel I think that's all I've got to say for today but thank you for listening as ever please do spread the word uh, on social media at Arrest Or Limits. go and tell a friend shout out the show it all means a lot and it helps the listenership and helps me keep going thank you thank you to Kev House cheers for listening have a good week guys